talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. And welcome back to Messy Christianity. Kevin, Brent, welcome into the studio today. Hello. Got a good one today. This one is um, rather personal because we all live it. The title of the today's topic um, is, What Should I Expect from My Pastor? <laughs> and I guess we ought to clarify, by pastor, we're talking about uh, spiritual leaders. Um, so yeah. could be student pastor, worship pastor, lead pastor, senior adult pastor, um, custodial pastor. I mean, <laughs> actually, actually, any of the ministerial pastoral types. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is a realistic expectation that church members should have for them, uh, or from them, I guess I should say, because let's be honest. I know you're you're itching. You're, yeah, yeah. You're just, go ahead. You're just right there. Well, no, I don't want to ruin it. Go ahead. Tell me. What well, you... no, because I was I was actually thinking maybe we should start backwards rather than what is a realistic expectation. With let's just have a little fun. What are some of the unrealistic oh, expectations unrealistic. that we've heard over the years? So, oh gee, I don't even think we because I think that answer is going to kind of start answering. I, I will. I remember. One time I was, I don't even remember where this was, but I was at a church that was, had a search committee formed looking for a pastor and uh, a guest speaker came in and did the right thing and kind of said, you know, prepared the church for their search, but said, okay, here are the things, and just kept going, here are the things you need to look for. And he, I mean, there was like, and I'm sitting there going as a staff member going, are you crazy? And he finally went, church, do you hear the exaggeration I'm giving you here? Because he'd listed like 30 or 40 things. As if the guy was somehow going to be, you know, superhuman or something. So, I, I would say that, and I think that's actually a great idea. What What are some unrealistic things um, that every sermon or teaching is going to be in, in, engaging and right on point and perfectly correct? Hmm. Now, you would hope that they would be, but let's just be honest. In sixteen years. You've had a few or bad a, Sundays. I've, I've been I've been doing ministry since fifteen. So what's that? Thirty four. I, I said it yesterday, and the, I mean, I tried to do the quick math of yeah. Well, that yeah. was just lifetime. There's not that's over a hundred thousand church services. Yeah, well, I, yeah, because I was thinking, you know, fifty you years of life of and you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, sometimes two Sunday mornings, and then you got revival weeks, you got camp weeks, services. I'm I'm going to run a hundred thousand services. I've set in. All right, so this might date when when we're recording this, but so yesterday, man. I started I started the service in, in First Baptist and I, I I I started away I wasn't thinking of starting and I was just kind of lighthearted and then I went into the to the to the message and I and I said something to the effect of and I'm going to pick up on what I t- spoke on last week and last week I talked on Jesus <laughs> for the life of me I could not remember what I had said the week before it's a great and, starting point oh my gosh and it just went downhill from there it was yeah. horrible yeah. Um, but you ever been the, I know you have you've been in the middle of a sermon and go, I wouldn't even listen to me right now. I mean, <laughs> at that point you need to go, yeah, it's time to close shop. Just We're getting out early Let's today. pray. Let's pray. Yeah. yeah. My goodness. But that, but I would say in all seriousness, that is yeah. one thing you cannot expect and the danger of this is when we're used to selectively listening on YouTube or right. podcast to some of the best in the country, best in right. the world. Best it's ever been. I mean, we can listen to guys who've been dead for 20 years yeah. because of the, the nature of digital mm-hmm. media. Um, and even then, we're not listening to all of their stuff. We're listening to the best of the best. Highly, and it's yeah. edited. So yeah. it's not right. like it's live. Right. 
And if we don't like it, we just turn it off. That's right. But when you go to a church, you're going to get some just yeah. real bombers. I yeah. just did that way. You need somebody who, I'm sorry, Brent, you go. I'll, I'll, I'll speak now. <laughs> I, I was just thinking about the unrealistic expectations as part of what you were talking about, both talking about on church service on Sunday morning. I think a lot of people that go to church on a regular basis, and I, I say I think this because of conversations I've had and observations, people look to pastors to be the one that gives them all the spiritual nourishment mm-hmm. that they need mm-hmm. throughout the week. And so even if it is an excellent, incredible sermon, the odds of that being sustainable uh, yeah. nourishment over the course of seven days before you come back and get some more, even that's not realistic. Not and it goes happen. to the idea of the, the importance of the individual Christ follower passionately pursuing Christ and, and feeding themselves and what they receive on Sundays or Wednesdays or whenever they happen to gather together mm-hmm. is just added on to their personal walk. So expecting the pastor to fulfill every sermon need, mm-hmm. every topic need, there's not enough Sundays and Wednesdays yeah. in the year to be able to do that. It's like eating once a week a really great meal and not eating anything the rest of the week. No matter how good it is, it's not enough. I was just sitting when we were saying that, I was thinking of you know good sports good football teams that coach is not with them 24 7 but they're up early doing workouts and in the weight room or in the film room and studying but that is also a great illustration because during the season the coach is with them almost seven days a week Mm -hmm. when do we see that yeah we don't in in Mm -hmm. our christian walk with whether it's full-time staff people, part-time staff people, just Christ followers living life together, there's a lot of separation that happens well, during another, the course of the week. Another podcast another day, but when we do see that's it, that's what is we're going to do the next right? one. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Is at the house. That's when you do see it. So mom and daddy, that you got it. Well, the, the, the thing about that too is there's an expectation on the player. If we're going to go down that road of the sports yeah. team, the player doesn't just show up and say, okay, Let's do this, you yeah. know. Feed me. Feed me, yeah. <laughs> the player comes prepared, ready, right, right. and he gets his butt chewed out if he doesn't perform like he's supposed to. Now, obviously, right. perform is not a word we want to use within the church, but, but uh, we're going down a different rabbit trail. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's go back to expectations. So what are some other unrealistic expectations? To, just to say it quickly, to have every single gift. I mean, <laughs> we, we we have a gift. What, we are gifted. Super pastor? <laughs> right, super So I wear a cape and underoos, man. So, That's, like, hey, pastor, we want you to come in here and step on our toes, and you set us straight, and you tell us what to do, and at the same time, I want you to be the most gentle, so loving, great. caring person with your arm around us. Like, you're, you're two polar opposites, really. I mean, it, actually, we've probably all had to do both of those things at some time, yeah. but you know, one's probably easier than the other. Uh, depending on your personality. so I remember a conversation with a deacon one time. He was talking about how he had gone to a big church in Texas and came back, and he said, you know what, preacher? That's the way church should be done. Man, when you leave there, you feel great. It's like a pep rally, man. You just feel like you are on the top of the world, yeah. ready to go chase the devil down. Yeah. And I thought, you probably don't listen to Jesus preaching much to you. <laughs> yeah. Paul or, yeah. or pretty much any George Whitfield uh, Martin Luther, I mean, you, but but it's true. It is yeah. a balance, and and what's strange is how on any given day, you'll have some people who need one and another people who need another, and yet how does that work every mm-hmm. single Sunday? Yeah, <clears throat> it's God works it out. God just has a way through mm-hmm. whoever's 
teaching that day to work it out. But be you know, but we sp- we spent a lot of time talking about on stage, uh, in in that aspect. But what about just the personal thing? Um, do, Pastor, we want you to to visit every single one of us on a regular basis. We want to make sure that you keep up with us and you're shepherding your flock and you know everybody and everything going on and 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 oh by the way you you need twenty hours of sermon prep time a prayer week time, as well yeah, yeah. yeah a prayer time yeah and you need to be available <clears throat> need to be available whenever I'm whenever I need yeah wherever I want whenever yeah something's going on in my life. That, that you were there. I think that's, that is a misconception. I mean, pastors are—we're called to—one of the things that I've struggled with that I've had to learn is that I, would, that I am called to be a shepherd, but I'm not the shepherd. So it's kind of the, the mm-hmm. uppercase You're pointing. S is mm-hmm. Jesus. I'm the lowercase S, but I'm still called to shepherd mm-hmm. and to lead and guide and direct. But I—, I I'm flawed, I'm broken, I'm messed up as well. And so there, there's that balance. And even Jesus, the great shepherd, we see multiple times in the Scripture where he went alone to be by himself. Oh, you can't do that, Pastor. Do you, you think, though, off. that we have, the, the pendulum has swung, we've had conversations about this before, but do you think the, the, the pendulum has swung far, too far to the other side? What I mean by that is it used to be where a, a pastor was on call 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear stories of guys whose fathers were never at home because they were always ministering, always doing something in the name of Jesus. And so they were, in a lot of ways, neglected um, for the sake of the church. But it seems as though the tendency over the last 15 years or so, the pendulum has swung all the way to the other side where yeah, I turn my phone off, it uh, 6 p.m. when I leave the office, um, you know, if, if you need me, you can call me during business hours, and it, I, I can't reconcile that. Uh, I'm just, I, I just don't see that as what a shepherd actually mm-hmm. does. Not all the time, right? but to think that, you know, office hours is when I work, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I don't but you get have a, that. Do you have a general sense that that's where the Western Church paid staff operates at this point? At this point, I'm not exactly sure. I definitely was seeing that in conferences that, that we were going to uh, in years past. Uh, at least I I interpreted that as a trend where the, the pastors were much less accessible because they were running the church rather than pastoring the church, right. shepherding the church. And and I get it. I understand yeah. the need for the, the, the people within the body to do ministry to each other. But there are some things that, that a shepherd just does because that's that's why he's there, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm it, not sure about now, though, because it's a different, you know, with this whole right. pandemic thing. It, it, I just don't know at this point. The size of the congregation probably <laughs> plays a lot into sure. it as well. I mean, you know, back when I was in seminary, we had to do a paper of some type. I don't even remember, but we had to go interview like five different pastors of different size congregations. And I don't remember what the whole paper was on, but I won't say the name, but I had to go to one of the rather large congregations in the Atlanta area and getting a meeting with that guy was really 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 hard and um and even once I got there for the meeting you know it was set up a month out and it it was uh it was literally like three levels of checkpoints to get back to the the holy of holies back there (laughs) and even that was kind of intimidating because it was uh it was very friendly it was cordial but it was 
okay, I've got 10 minutes. I mean, it was like a boundary set at the beginning, which, you know, I, I, and yeah, now that I've done it longer, I understand that as well. It's not, we're not here to chit chat all day, but, but it, it was intimidating. So, but that was a rather, rather large congregation. So I've actually experienced that firsthand. Um, pretty sure that pastor didn't do a lot of pastoring, um, but he preach. So I don't know. I, but I, going back, I do kind of agree with your statement. I, maybe, maybe that place got too big, or maybe they're doing pastoring, but not with the pastor. You know, and that, that is an important underneath. thing to think through as well. Is depending on the size of the yeah. uh, of the staff, what the responsibilities responsibility is, because the lead pastor cannot do everything, and the larger the no church way. grows, there's right. no way that they can do that. So it has to be disseminated down a little bit. So there is, there is that balance. We can't expect, the, you know, the, a, a pastor on staff at a church to be all things for all people, and even though we expect that sometimes because we quote Paul. Paul said, I was all things to all people, but that's not what he was talking yeah. about there. Yeah. And it, it, you can't be everywhere doing everything at the same time. But for the listener who says, who asks that question, what can I expect out of my pastor? From a general biblical perspective, it's someone who is hopefully passionately pursuing Christ, that's pointing others to Jesus, that is intentionally investing and making disciples and leading the way, that's demonstrating what it means to be a Christ follower and empowering and influencing and encouraging those with whom those that, that individual has uh, influence to imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. To me, the biggest, and it's not really even as a pastor, it's really a Christian type of thing, but we associate this with pastors, is this idea where Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, that's a bold, bold statement, but I think that for someone on pastoral staff, that has to be the heartbeat of who they are. Imitate me because I am imitating Jesus, and if you imitate me the way I'm imitating Jesus, then you also will be imitating to others who are imitating right. to follow Jesus. So it's just it's this circular pattern that's, that's created of passionately pursuing Christ and influencing those that are around to do the same. And way the way it looks on, even with the dynamics of the three of us, the way that we do that looks different because we're not wired the same way. We don't have the same responsibilities, but we're still pastors. Yeah. It's it's that calling to to do that. So I think to partially answer that question, that's what the expectation should be from someone in the in in the uh, in the pews so to speak mm-hmm. looking up at the pastor saying what do i expect of you i expect you to shepherd to point me to jesus and mm-hmm. to empower me and help me be more like christ because that's what you're passionate about all day every day so if i could kind of boil that down in my own words um i guess as a recap or a, a, a restatement not that yours wasn't good enough but i'm saying for for my my for me to process it i would say that you're saying a pastor should look like Jesus and point me to Jesus. Is to the that... best of their earthly ability, absolutely. I mean, that really is the the calling of the Christ follower, period. Yeah. And, and but that's who we expect. Well, that's what Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And exactly. look like the pastor that, that God created you to be, not the pastor of your previous church or the pastor that you preceded you. I mean, everybody's different, you know. Be be who you are, but but be yourself. And I know we know that, but I, but but I don't know that that a church member would always know that uh, there's different giftedness. You know, that was Aladdin, by the way. 
you you didn't pick I didn't, that up. I did not. Very, pick very that disappointed. Up. Next time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, be who God made you to be. But at the same time, there's only so much you can be. I mean, it. Right. I would say it's character. It's it's qualities, Christ-like qualities. So. <clears throat> what do you expect? What should you expect from your pastor? You should expect them to look like Jesus, but they're not Jesus. Yeah. So when they don't measure up to what Jesus would have done or how Jesus would have looked, there has to be some grace and there has mm-hmm. to be some understanding that just as God is still working on you, He's also working on them. Mm-hmm. Um, which honestly, when a, when a pastor receives grace, it is an amazing thing. Yeah. Because, because I can't remember who said it, but some, some, somebody said, um, pastors preach the gospel, uh, but also preach the gospel to yourself or something to the effect yeah. of yeah. give grace, but give grace to yourself. Yeah. This idea of, since you're the one that has to constantly say it somehow there's less of it that applies to you. That, do you remember what I... Or uh, you, yeah, and something. And, yeah. and, and man, the, there's no one more self-condemning than a preacher. Right. I mean, it's just... You're preaching on marriage, and your own marriage is struggling. You're yeah. preaching on um, uh, children, and your own children are struggling. You're preaching on grace, and you have tr- forgiveness, whatever it is. Because I don't know about you, but I never preach something when... If that thing is not right in my life, mm-hmm. it's like this giant finger... Yeah. While yeah. I'm up there, and it's like, yeah. oh man, yep. <laughs> do you ever have those times where you're like, I know I should say this, but I don't want to say this because if I say this, then I got to do this, or, or put it in the <laughs> hopper. Look at my child in the eyeball to eyeball and say, I'm talking to myself yeah. here. Exactly, exactly. Put it in the hopper and do it like three months later when you've had time to work on it. Yeah, because you know that's coming from a good place. Then. <laughs> Once you fix the problem, you then it. you can preach. But you can really preach it because you know it. You right. lived it. So yeah. I have to remind myself. Sometimes I preach aspirationally. <laughs> that, yeah. You know, this is this is what we ought to do, but but that's true. I mean, we're we are human beings, and yeah. well, look at Romans chapter seven. Paul himself talks about I, I'm doing the things in the flesh that I know I don't even want to do. I desire to do the good, but the flesh just takes over, and I continue to fail. But then he continues. Uh, about the grace of God and how our our hearts and our minds should be on the things that are above. Our mind should be on what the Spirit desires, and that's that's the heartbeat of who we are. And that's that's all that we can do is aspire and desire and pursue the greater things of God. And that has to be the the litmus test. Are we as pastors? Are the pastors in general that you're looking up to? Are to the best of your knowledge? Are they? passionately pursuing Christ? Are they thinking about the things and desiring the things that the Spirit desires? If that is the is the case, then all of us are can look in the mirror and can look at our congregation and say, I'm flawed, I'm messed up, I am I am broken, I am not... Um, as Paul said, I, I still struggle with the things of this world, but that's not what my focus is. Stumbling forward. Mm-hmm. So what are some of those qualities of of a pastor that ought to send red flags up. Not that oh, they do that one time, we're done, but a continual pattern or the things that should cause us to say something, something's not exactly right. What are the... Uh, well, the positive trait to me it would be humility. I mean, I think there's got to be... Uh, that doesn't mean a pushover, but I, but I think there has to be a humility uh, in, in the pastor. Um, you know, when I look at the the things that passed of a pastor, administrative, 
preaching, teaching, uh, pastoral care. I mean, I'm just three big ones. I just thought of shepherd. Likelihood is there's a stronger and weaker in certain areas, yeah. and as a pastor, there should be a little bit of humility to, to understand where they're weaker and where they're stronger. Well, exactly. What, you, what we were saying earlier, that's exactly right, because mm-hmm. one of the things I have heard, not necessarily lately, but over the course of my life, is so-and-so is a great pastor, mm-hmm. but they're not a good preacher. Right. Yep. I endure the preaching on Sunday <laughs> because they are a great pastor. Yeah, they right. love people. But I've also heard the very opposite, kind of the illustration that you mm-hmm. were talking about, Kevin, earlier. I guess it was Atlanta, I think that's what you said, yeah, yeah. where this guy's a great, uh, this person's Hold a great here. preacher, yep. but they're not really good at pastoring, and that ties in with the gifting. Right. If you're not good at one, then you typically right. should try to surround yourself with others who right. are gifted in that area right. so that none of those are left lacking, right. so to speak. Yeah, and then to have the humility to say, to you say know, I'm, I'm just not really good at that. I need help. It's not that yeah. I don't care. It's not that yeah. I don't want to be, yeah. but yeah. I just, it's just not my... my yeah. sp- um, reminds me of a conversation we had several years ago with Brian Jones. Uh, he was helping us to explain that uh, in the business world, specifically with, with companies like Target, Walmart, and those were actually two of his examples... He said there are three considerations. You have quality, service, and price. Mm-hmm. Nobody is great at mm-hmm. all three because mm-hmm. it's impossible. They are right. opposing. You right. can't have great quality and cheap price. Right. You can't have cheap price. But you got to be good at one. And <laughs> phenomenal service mm-hmm. because it costs money. And so Publix, they focus on their uh, – so that was the three, Walmart, Publix, and Target – Publix focuses on service, and then quality, and then price. So they acknowledge, hey, it's going to cost you more to shop here. Mm-hmm. But if you shop here, it's a pleasure. And it, and it truly is. I mean, you go into to, to, uh, uh, Publix, and very rarely do you walk out and go, man, this store stinks. They right? say, hey, as soon as you walk in the door. That's right. Every time. And, and it, it's just a nice year. Mm-hmm. You go to Target, and they're not a price-oriented as much as they are a product. Mm-hmm. So they're product and service and yeah. then price. Yeah. But Walmart is definitely price. Mm-hmm. It's in their tagline. Home, you know, we're <laughs> home of the low prices or, yeah. or, you know, they got the circle falling. But their service oftentimes stinks mm-hmm. and their quality is okay. Yeah. And, I, and the point that, that he was making, which in the business world is absolutely true, it, it carries over to the church world, especially church leadership. You're going to get a, a, a lead characteristic, and we're not talking about character. We're talking about skills, mm-hmm. right? So, a great preacher is not going to be a great pastor and mm-hmm. a great administrator. It's impossible. I agree. So, you choose the the one that has the most value, and then you allow the others to just that is what it is. And, and I would say the most value in your context. So you know, even yeah, the, yeah. even the Atlanta thing, if you're in an Atlanta suburb that is going and blowing and it's a growing, you you may want that strong teacher, but you get out a little bit twenty miles out and you're in rural, and it's family church kind of thing. You may want the pastor shepherd. Definitely. I mean, it, it definitely depends on your context. The the danger is everybody's read a lot of books, pastors even about how all these things we're supposed to do and not to do. But even church members, you know, like you said earlier, the the media out there, the YouTube and everything. There's so many great teachers out there you, you you may not hire that you probably won't hire that guy he's probably not going to preach in nowhere <laughs> you know nowhere georgia um 
you know, we can't undervalue, and I think we, we tend to do this, we cannot or should not undervalue the gift of administration in a church. Mm-hmm. Church is so stinking complicated now. I mean, it, it was complicated before last March. This is one year. Can you imagine that? Yeah. It's one year since this whole thing started. It, it, it was complicated before. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly complicated mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Some ways it might be a little easier now. But but the administrative um, skill set mm-hmm. is so important to a church. It's not really taught. It's honestly. really not taught. Class here and there in seminary, but nothing really. Oh my any gosh! Substance. Who knew all of the admin stuff that? Nope. And people and somebody might say, well, that's why you should just do home church. There's administration there too. Yeah. I mean, administration is just making sure that things are counted and and you know planned and organized and things yeah. like. It's the gift of organization, really. Yeah. Um, so, anyways. Um, so humility, or if mm-hmm. so, if somebody has a lack of humility, that is a huge warning flag. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that they're an unholy, satanic. You know, right. don't go to the extreme, but but it should cause a little bit. And we also ought to think about the fact that sometimes it can appear as a lack of humility, but it's really not. Right, right. Sometimes that's on us. That's, that's our that's perception. Absolutely. I was thinking the same thing. And yeah. we got, you know, I'd be careful about judging someone's arrogance based right. on just a. Yeah, it just, D- different personalities different come across pers- yeah. different way, and they're not necessarily yeah arrogant or whatever. They're just yeah. different personality. What about uh, honesty? If a person is not honest, no, that's not important. Honestly, seems pretty. Yeah, honestly, seems pretty important. It seems like Striper wrote a song about it, even so. Wow, <clears throat> Striper! Shout out Striper! Yeah. Messy Christianity, home of the shout outs to yeah. the peculiar yeah. and strange. But no, that's true. If if you're not honest, um, and again, you're gonna get because honest is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. If you if you can't believe what they say in person, how can you believe what they say from the pulpit? That, right. True. Mm-hmm. Can't disagree with that at all. Another warning, a red flag that is a red flag for me when I watch and listen and read. It's when when someone will preach an entire sermon and never open the bible oh gee <laughs> or it, but if or, they quote it if they do it from memory that's one thing but you're it, talking about actually using scripture well, it, right uh, yes and in the essence of what i'm teaching is a scripturally gotcha. based okay. versus hey let's just talk about whatever today and yeah. I, that i don't want to say that flippantly but there there is that where whatever my agenda and my topic is that's what I'm going to pursue, and that's what I'm going to talk about, regardless of whether it's scripturally referenced or even applicable mm-hmm. to Scripture. So from a red flag perspective, yeah, when one. when pastors, when preachers don't use Scripture on a regular basis, for me, that's a that's a big red flag. That's not a preacher anymore. That's a motivational, motivational speaker, speaker or something yeah. else. I mean, I agree. Yeah, and and I would I would say, too, that Preachers can be really good sometimes at pretending to use Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all seen it and mm-hmm. probably done it yeah. to where we, we start with the text so that the text, so that people would think, oh, he's using the Bible, but then yeah. go off somewhere completely different. Yeah. That that just, that kind of gets sketchy right yeah, there. Just front loading uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Now, sometimes, sometimes I think that is called for. Mm-hmm. Not that not not that I'm I'm not advocating not using the scripture, but I'm saying sometimes in circumstances, 
Sunday morning has a specific purpose and a, a specific thing that needs to happen. You know, like if you're if you're talking about vision, I mean, how do you share vision right. for a church out of the script? I mean, you can, but if if you're talking about practical, we're going to do these things. I yeah, mean, things come up. Yeah, and, yeah but but overall, if the scripture is not the guts of the message, yeah, it it's, it would it should cause you uh, some concern. What about someone who's a glory hog? Someone who always needs to uh, either be the hero or throw somebody else under the bus. Red flag? Yeah. Well, that's definitely a red flag. I'm trying to think from a perspective of sitting in the in the chairs, observing on stage. I don't know how often I would see that, though. That, to me, is—and I'm not saying that strictly behind the scenes or maybe one-on-one type conversations, but if we're looking at uh, a pastoral leadership on stage, that would be either very, very— blatant, or I wouldn't see it, one of the two. I don't really mm-hmm. see a kind of a middle ground. Does that make sense? It does. I will withhold comment. <laughs> but I've, I've seen it, but you're right. I don't think it's as obvious uh, unless you're really—and and I think probably when I've seen it, I knew backstory, right. and I knew that so it was a slight— So it's going to be hard for the yeah the person in the pew to, to maybe catch that. Yeah. Um. So if uh, any other— I mean, there obviously are, but any other that just stand out right off the top of your head for warning? What about if someone is uh, distant or aloof? That's usually a clue that something else is, is going on. Um, but once again, the warning, yeah. that, that, that but you could have an introvert on your hands, too, and that's okay. Yeah. So it's it was the same thing we said about the other personality trait earlier, about the um, being arrogant. Just make sure your interpretation isn't off. And yeah. is it short term, or is that yeah. something that's that's ongoing? Because there, obviously, we we as the three of us being pastors, but anyone else that's in a pastoral leadership type of role, we have ups and downs just like everybody else, and we have times when we're on cloud nine, yeah. times that we feel like we're in the pit, and when it does feel like we're in the pit, even though we're in a leadership position where other people are looking at us, it, it we can it takes every bit of energy to speak that word mm-hmm. for an hour and after that's over or throughout the week it's like you know yeah, how you do won't. we climb out of this this pit that we're in so it is a, a, i think seasonal for everyone but it's from a warning perspective is this a one time occurrence is this something that's just or is are there other influences that are going on and the closer you are in a relationship and i would say this is a is something to 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 think through when when we're looking at our pastoral leadership and expecting things out of them, what type of relationship do we have? Mm. Am I the person that that shows up on Sunday morning? That's the only time that I have any type of relationship with the pastoral leadership, or am I plugged in mm-hmm. in various different ways, whatever the plugged-in opportunities are within the church itself? Uh, you know, What type of relationship do I have? That has a lot to play with, a lot to do with it. That's true. And what kind can you expect? You know, it's it's funny to me how over the years I have been dinged for not knowing somebody's name, yet I might see them four or five times a right. year. Yeah. And I'm going... Well, you don't care. You never called. You know, God bless you, but <laughs> yeah. I forget my kids' names half the time, yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. they live with me. Yeah. But, no, yeah. I mean, but it's true. The right. expectation of, yeah. you should know my name, you should know what I'm struggling with, what I'm dealing with. I'm not going to call you and tell you. You should just you should know, right? 
That's an unrealistic expectation. That is an unrealistic. Yeah, because some of the some of the greatest regrets that I could say that I've had is when I missed it, when yeah. when something happened, and I either didn't respond or I didn't realize it or I didn't know how mm-hmm. to respond. Uh, one particular person I'm thinking of, there was a crisis in her life, and I just I, I wasn't timely, and because I wasn't timely, I was then embarrassed. So I kept putting it off and putting it off. And then I was like, well, I can't say anything now because then it would be just horrible. And, and I just, and this, this, this woman was so gracious to me. It was unbelievable. Mm. And I, I actually grew a deep and abiding love for her. Mm. And we had a really good relationship till the end of her life. But it was, it was, I always believed that I failed her. I never did. Um, that's funny you had a conversation in your head before and you still have the conversation in your head after. well but actually yeah. but 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 it, it serves as a learning thing i yeah. actually can i actually asked her to forgive me on it yeah and she was like oh honey it's fine I mean, yeah. and, and so yeah. she was like hey it's no, we're, we're good yeah but still it, it impacted me deeply that um i just missed it yeah. and, and I, i've missed a lot of stuff that's that's painful if you're listening and you think that the preacher just doesn't care, you might be right. They might just not care. Most you, of the guys I know, they yeah. do care, but sometimes they uh, they they just miss it, and then mm-hmm. it's a downward spiral from there. Mm-hmm. And um, I can assure you that for many of us, it is a we are way harder on ourselves than than you could ever possibly be on us. I've said it so many times, and I've probably said it on this podcast, but if there's 100 people and 99 give an attaboy and one says, I know this comes from a approval issue point in my life, but I think pastors tend to lean this direction, I'll focus on that one. It, it, temperate, yeah. not as bad as I used to, not as bad yeah. as I used to. Well, but, we're older. and Yeah, I mean, I, but I've learned not to. But. We're, we are up on time, but do you think... And, and it very well could be an approval thing, but do you think it's also because we really do love people, and it, and it hurts us to think that we just might have missed it? It could come from a natural place, and I think Maybe it's always good both. to question ourselves on that. Yeah, because said this many times too. There's times where you know what we did our best, and so we just got to let it go. Yeah, but there's other times where you know what I could have done better on that. So self inspection is is always good, always good. Any final words? We're up against the clock here. Your preacher does not cut the grass in his suit. <laughs> they used to. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I hear stories of even even First Baptist, and I'm thinking, wow, that's craziness. <laughs> oh, gosh, listen. Oh, man, I don't think this was a preacher, but I actually heard a story this week. Somebody who used to go to this church years ago, uh, her father died. The next day, or, or actually, I think it was right after the funeral, maybe even the day of the funeral after it had done been done, two men came to the to the, their house from this church, and they said, "We're so sorry. It, it's it's a terrible thing. Will you be making a donation to the church?" Oh my goodness! And and I I literally stopped, but I, I said, "You got to be kidding me." She said, "No." Dead serious. I said, you, and I just want to clarify, you mean to tell me you were in the room and you heard them say this? He said, yeah, I heard the mm-hmm. words. Wow. And, I, and, I, and I just thought to myself, dear God, yeah. I, I am mortified 
Of course, it wasn't very long before they left and went somewhere else. Yeah. Which I probably would have too. Yeah, I mean, my very goodness. Yeah. Now, to be fair, that wasn't the pastor, but yeah. but it was two what what was what was thought to be deacons. Yeah. I'm praying that there's something more to that story, but my goodness. Yeah. And I guess on that note, yeah. people will do dumb stuff. Show grace. Show grace. <laughs> best you can. <laughs> you're sitting in this corner, Brent, and you're, you're, your head's spinning. Can you believe that? I mean, yes, you can, but no, you can't. I just, can you only imagine the audacity? You can't expect your free... Your, never mind. It reminds me of a different story <laughs> about the pastor that went and looked in people's refrigerator to make sure... Oh, that, yeah, make sure they don't have any beer. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, that's funny. I'm not, we're just going to, we're out of time. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll tell a funny. There so uh, I make trades all the time. I, I trade things for fishing gear, for hunting gear, you know, different things. My favorite trade, the, the most peculiar, is when a guy's like, hey, I, I've got this thing. I don't need it anymore. I trade you for a 12-pack of, of uh, Miller Lite. <laughs> so nice. I'm going, um, Okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> so so now I'm in this quandary. How how do I make this trade? Like we live in a very small. We're only like two three grocery stores here. So let's see. Wait, when's the next time I go up to Pace? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But yeah. no, we got people living in Pace though. Yeah. yeah. So so I have a friend, a neighbor, who oh I usually God. send on the mission to make the trade in my in my stead. Wow. Hey, it's 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 a it's a funny thing that we live in. All right, I got to go. You got to go. Thank you guys for listening to Messy Christian. And I hope this has been somewhat helpful to you. If you like the podcast, please share, subscribe, and uh, enjoy it. This is not meant to be uh, so much of a biblical exegesis of <laughs> these topics. This is just three pastors sitting around, talking. Uh, sitting around with a spontaneous topic. Uh, it just as real as you can be. So yeah. y'all have a great day. We will see you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith, and everything in between. You want to know more? Check us out at www.storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com.